Good morning again. Here we are at the end of our first more than weekends session. And uh, we're all okay. We're here. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I want to dedicate my words today, whatever benefit or merit they may have, to the Oan Sangha. This is a Sangha of spiritual friendship, of friendship. And there is an account <clears throat> of Ananda, Buddha's sidekick, who came to Buddha one day very excitedly and said, I've discovered something about the way. What is it? He said, friendship, spiritual friendship is half the, half the, the achievement of the way. And Buddha said, sorry, Ananda, uh, you're wrong. Spiritual friendship is the whole way. Sangha, as Thich Nhat Hanh suggested in the 21st century, is the Buddha. And we are so impoverished by the absence of community, of real flesh and blood presence to one another. And it's a very precious thing to be able to come together in person in a non-virtual place, a real place, and to be together and practice together and be oriented together as spiritual friends. And as I recall, there were some kind of requirements for spiritual friendship. I remember Buddha speaking about for spiritual, for spiritual friends do what is hard to do. Spiritual friends say what is hard to say. And sometimes spiritual friends refrain from saying what is hard to refrain from saying? Spiritual friends endure what is hard to endure. Spiritual friends give what is hard to give. Spiritual friends do not abandon you in times of trouble and need. And spiritual friends don't judge you. 
That's a pretty tall order for friendship. But I think I can say, and I think Angyo said yesterday at tea, I trust the Sangha. These are friends you can trust. A rare and precious thing. And I could say that Buddha, the awakened one, <clears throat> has been a great friend to humankind. He has done what is hard to do, said what is hard to say, endured, as we've seen, what is hard to endure, gave what it was hard to give, these teachings. Did not abandon people in their time of need, but ministered as we read the Bodhisattva vows, ministered to those in need, known often as the great physician, and didn't judge. So over the past couple of weeks when I've been trying to articulate what we're doing here uh, and coming to a deeper understanding myself of Buddha's awakening, I've really come to feel friendly toward him, toward this one. And every time I think of this one, I smile as I would when I think of a friend, a really good friend. And so I feel also the inclination to respond to that friendship and his giving as a friend to continue to express my friendship by continuing his work, by continuing on with our Sangha, with our friends, moving forward, uh, continuing to transmit these teachings, to be that raft, to be that light, to be that bed, to be that refuge for those who are in need. And I, I can recall the question that Buddha posed to Subhuti in the Diamond Sutra, one of our favorite sutras, 868 AD, oldest surviving printed book in the world. The Buddha said, Subhuti, do not ask, Will there be any beings in the future, in the final epoch, in the final period, in the final 500 years of the Dharma ending age, 
who give birth to a perception of the truth of the words of a sutra, such as that spoken here? Surely, Sabuti, in the future, in the final epoch, in the final period, in the final 500 years of the Dharma ending age, there will be fearless bodhisattvas who are capable, virtuous, and wise, who give birth to a perception of the truth of the words of a sutra such as that spoken here. Yes, the answer is yes, Sabuti. There will be people in the future, bodhisattvas, fearless bodhisattvas, who will speak the words such as those spoken here. And they will be spiritual friends, not only amongst themselves, but to all humankind, to all beings in the 10 directions in this dusty world. So dedicated this modest Dharma talk to our Sangha, to those who are also now holding this Dharma and giving it away amongst themselves and to all beings in need. Back to our friend, our friend, our spiritual friend, um, Siddhartha Gautama, Shakyamuni Buddha, sitting under the bow tree on his little cushion of kusa grass. And being there, knowing that this is the way of awakening. I'm not even going to say to awakening. This is the way of awakening. This is it. There's nothing beyond it. There's nothing beyond it to get to. This is the way. And so he sat. And it, I, I don't suppose that it makes too much difference how long he sat. A lot of people are very interested in that. Was it three days? Was it seven days? Was it a day? The fact of the matter is, again, just Mado's take on this, is it was his whole life. No matter whether it's one day, two days, three days, seven days, we can see how this process of awakening had no real beginning and has no real end. It goes on and on and on. The awakening is a lifetime and maybe many lifetimes, who knows? But at least, at least I'm aware of a lifetime of practice of evolving of a slow process of awakening. Yes, he sat under the bow tree 
And this was in some sense, a kind of culminating act. But of course there were many culminations after that, many, many. So we're just freezing a moment in time when he wakes up the morning star, the dawn arises and he has this opening. But you know, each of us woke up this morning, didn't we? And when we wake up in the morning, the whole world wakes up with us, right? Am I right about that? It's suddenly everything is alive. Everything is here. So this is what we call in Buddhist practice, co-arising. This is what Buddha said. I and the great earth and all beings have achieved the way, have awakened. So when you wake up in the morning, the whole world wakes up with you. How amazing, how great. He said, this is the great awakening. I called it the great awakening. It's not that it's um, great in the sense of greater and lesser. It's just vast. <laughs> it's great in the sense of all-inclusive. It's like we call the great vehicle, Mahayana uh, tradition. It's, it's not great in a hierarchical hierarchical sense. It's just great as it includes everything. It's boundless. So the stars come into being when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> everything, everything comes into being with you. Everything awakens with you. And in our tradition, This Soto tradition is less about what we sometimes conceive of as this awakening as like a thunderbolt. You know, there's this moment when the heavens and the earth break through and you're in some kind of special, amazing place and you see the truth and everything is now totally revealed and now you go, you know, you go along being this great, uh, you know, this, this amazing individual who knows everything, who sees everything, who's omniscient, who is om omnip omnipresent, who is om omnipotent, you know, you're just like I was describing, like you're Napoleon. <laughs> you know, we talked about becoming really inflated. Our tradition is very, very much not like the thunderbolt. It's much more like I've described it in the past as being, as walking out in a misty rain. And slowly but surely, <laughs> you become soaked. And you hardly even, you hardly even realize it. Other people are more likely to see it like these uh, five disciples, five aesthetics saw something, but he was 
he was just realized as a human being. So it's almost as if you practice and you practice and your life unfolds and you go this way and that way and you take side roads or you stop for a while or then you come back and it's this evolving process. And at some point, I'm all wet. I, I, this practice has soaked through me and I am full of it, not, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the vulgar sense, but I am complete. I, I have, I have realized what it means to be human to my very edges of my being. So, you know, we don't, we're not awakened here at the end of a session, at the top of a mountain or, you know, after, after an intensive crisis period in our lives. Um, we wake into our ordinary life. Just as we, we wake up every morning, we're waking up all through the day all through our lives. Sometimes we talk about, oh, this dawned on me. It dawned on me. This is awakening. Something dawns on you. It happens all the time. Things clear, the clouds clear, and something dawns. And that's an awakening, and another awakening, and another awakening as we move through life. So this is a verb. And why do you suppose that the reports of an awakening experience are typically described as incredibly ordinary. Like someone awakens at the sound of a pebble hitting a rock or the sound of a, a floorboard creaking in the center or a crow the sound of a crow or the falling of a leaf. You don't hear a lot of people or just looking at the Venus in the night sky or seeing a full moon. All these things are, you know, people describe, I awakened when I stepped on a rock. <laughs> or when I heard music in the background in my life, or someone came and touched me or put a blanket over my, my shoulders. It was a moment of awakening. All these really, really ordinary things, which tells you that 
that awakening and enlightenment is absolutely accessible. It's there all the time. We don't have to find it in some book or some teacher or some special place, although Owan is a good candidate for that. It's everywhere. It's pebbles, it's cats, it's, it's the breeze, it's, it's the creak of a board, it's, it's the lighting of a candle, it's the hug of a friend, it's everywhere. There's no place that awakening isn't. And so when we come to Sashin, what do we do? The most ordinary things. We sleep, we eat, we work, we sit. This is it. There's nothing more precious, nothing more beautiful, nothing more real than our ordinary life. All the basic things that we do, constantly available to us. But no, we're looking, we're looking for something special. We call that special, that special state. Joe Gobeck writes a book called Nothing Special. Nothing Special. And another Buddhist scholar and practitioner, Daisen Suzuki, described awakening as your ordinary life only two inches off the ground. I don't think he means that literally, but I think what he's suggesting, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's good. I like that. I run in, you know, our cushion is about two inches off the ground. Thank you for that. But in terms of our daily life that we're moving around, I think what is suggested here is that we live lightly, that we live, as sometimes said in, uh, in our tradition, leaving no trace, Le walking on the earth in a very, very light way so that we don't make big gouges <laughs> with our footprints in the earth, that we don't, uh, we don't imprint life with our self-centeredness, with our personal presence, that we, that we live our ordinary lives in an awakened state, in a state that is light. This is what we mean by enlightenment, being light, being almost invisible. So imagine if you woke up one morning 
and you discovered that you were the Buddha, otherwise known as Michelle. And suddenly, or Faishan, or Ronan, or Ankyo, or Daigon. And people started calling you, putting a the before your name. I'm going to meet the Michelle. Or have you heard what the Taishan said last night? Or I had the privilege of spending some time with the Ronin. Or I, I had a, I had a, I had a, um, a walk, a lunch with the Angyo. How would that feel? That you had become the Buddha, otherwise known as you. And what would life be like if everyone you met and every being that you met was the Wilbur? Sometimes we just call Wilbur the Wilbur anyway. But, you know, your friend, the, the Anne, <laughs> the, the, your daughter, you know, your partner, the Nina. Oh, it just has a different, different quality, you know, to who that individual, who that being was. Somebody fully realized all that it means to be the Buddha is to be completely who you are. Just completely who you are, just as you are. That's hard to do though, because we're always trying to be somebody else, somebody who we aren't, somebody who other people expect us to be or who we think we should be. But the Buddha, Buddha became just who he was the awakened being, the being who took his place in the vast community of life as him, as himself. So being an, you know, an awakened person, the Buddha, is to take your place in this web, in this Indra's web, of interconnectedness. You are one of those jewels. There is no other jewel like you in this web, but that you is not independent of all of these other jewels and is all reflecting, but reflecting in your particular way. And nobody can do it other than you. And that's what Buddha taught us that he did it, 
Mr. Frank Sinatra. He did it his way. <laughs> and showed us how we can do it our way. Which is really one way because it's all connected with everything else. So this awakening, when an ordinary person who really was um, Buddha, was an ordinary person, there were lots of princes, there were lots of people who were born into great wealth and, and warrior castes, and there was nothing particularly uh, unusual about him and his time. He was an ordinary person. When an ordinary person comes to awaken, they become a sage. When a sage awakens, they become an ordinary person. walking on the earth without calling too much attention to themselves. Just two inches, hardly noticeable, hardly noticeable. There's no way, like everybody wants to know, how do I tell if somebody's enlightened? <laughs> how, how do I tell if I am enlightened? Who cares? So what? You're already enlightened. There's a term in, in Tibetan practice, it's called Rigpa, natural perfection. That's just natural. It's up to you to discover it. It's, it's not that you're gonna attain it. You already have it. Just find it, which is that whole lifetime of finding what often people say was already there. Now, how did I miss it? It was right in front of me. So going back to my first, first words on this subject, This person, the Buddha, was and continues to be that red star. Hardly, hardly insisting upon being seen, but there in the darkness to be discovered and to be a guideline, a guidepost, a shining star, the North Star. Whatever we need, a bed, a light, some warmth, some food, really 
really not small things, although we think of them as small. They're great things. They're the work of the Bodhisattva. And so, I hope we can all shine that way in our lives, that we can be that star for those who are making their way in the dark, including ourselves, that we can find that shining in, in us, 